Hey y'all, Matt here. This podcast is brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. If you have a land need, buying or selling, anything land related, building that dream home, it's farmland, maybe it's recreational property, you know, hunting, fishing, then go to Mississippi Land Bank. They're the kind of people you want to do business with. I promise you that. Put my name on it, a personal guarantee. I know them. You will be happy if you make that phone call first to your local Mississippi Land Bank branch office or just walk in. If you want numbers and email addresses, look them up online, mslandbank.com. Dogpile is also brought to you by Jubilation's Cheesecake in West Point. If you're headed to the game this weekend or next weekend, hopefully, then stop in right there, right off Highway 45 in West Point and watch the cheesecakes being made. Enjoy coffee while you're there in the coffee shop. And say hey to George and Luann and the folks at Jubilation's Cheesecake while you're there also. And tell them we sent you. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another edition of Dogpile. I am Brett Hudson. Coming back at you pretty quickly in between episodes this time. But it's that time of year. It's it's postseason time, which means postseason content and urgency and content when it comes time for for postseason athletics here in Starkville, Mississippi. We're coming to you uh, after my one-on-one interview with Jake Gotro, Mississippi State assistant coach, technically the hitting coach, and the recruiting coordinator. Uh, really insightful. Uh, Gotro is one of the probably almost certainly top five people on campus that I just enjoy speaking with. He's always... An interesting conversation. I think that shows through. And in our podcast, we talked about coaching philosophy and hitting as a whole. We kind of dug into individual hitters in this Mississippi State lineup and bench. And then a couple of fun stories about his uh, his two boys and, and his family at the end. So a, a fun podcast with Jake Gotro. I hope you all give that a listen. But we're coming back to you immediately after that episode because it is the day before play of the Starkville Regional, which means it's press conference day. That's how these NCAA events work. The same thing happened for the uh, women's basketball team when they were hosting the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament here in Starkville. The day before, all the teams get in town, they have a little practice in the facility, and they talk to the local media. And that's what today was. So we've got a bunch of sound bites and a bunch of insight from Southern Miami and Central Michigan. We'll get to that later on in this episode. But of course, we're going to start with the Mississippi State news. People have been asking about starting pitching all week long. We finally have our answer. JT Ginn will have the ball Friday afternoon against Southern. That leaves Ethan Small to start the Saturday game, be it a winner's bracket game or a loser's bracket game. And then we're assuming that leaves Peyton Plumley to start the, the Sunday game, which, if everything goes right, could be Mississippi State's first chance to punch its ticket to a super regional. My my take on that is, you know, there there are a lot of people on on Twitter clamoring for either Plumley to start the Friday game against Southern or to just bullpen it and and save your your starters for for later on. I, I'm not a big fan of that bullpenning thing just because you want to guarantee that all three of your starters get a quote unquote start or at least starter amount of work. And in a regional, and since you can win a regional in three games, you'd probably like to to set your starters up that way. Um, 
So I wasn't a big fan of the bullpenning piece of of that idea. My my biggest thing was as long as it wasn't small on Friday, I was going to be fine. Um, I, I could see merit to both sides in terms of of Plumley and Ginn. Um, but my my I guess my biggest thing on that was uh, I, I have all the respect in the world for what Southern is building there in, in Baton Rouge. Coach Carrick Jackson really has a has a plan there, and you're going to hear a lot from him uh, in maybe a couple minutes or so. But this is a Southern lineup and a Southern team as a whole that can be overwhelmed by by a talent grouping like Mississippi State. So I would I, I just thought that. The, in my opinion, the best case scenario was to save your your quote unquote ace, which to this point has been Ethan Small for for a game with a bigger opponent on the other side of it, with a higher leverage, so to speak. Whether you win that game, whether you win the game against Southern or you lose it, that Saturday game has a lot of leverage going to going through to Friday. Now, of course, Matt made the the opposite point on on the previous episode of Dogpile where he thinks the Friday game of that regional is the most important. And there's merit to that. Uh, I, I agree with that to a certain extent, but this is just my opinion. As long as Ethan Small didn't start the Friday game to line him up for, for a Saturday start, I was, I was going to be in favor of the plan. And, and that's, that's ultimately what happened. So no, um, no, no complaints for me. This isn't going to spawn this isn't going to spawn weeks long ranting like people intentionally walking Jake Mangum put it that way. The other news out of Mississippi state's turn uh, at the podium on Friday or Thursday, excuse me, was that Elijah McNamee, uh, we got to watch practice today and, and he was running around, taking some fly balls, took some, took some BP, looked pretty smooth, pretty natural out there. Uh, Coach Lamona said he isn't a hundred percent sure of what exactly his role will be in terms of right field or, or designated hitter, but that the the recent days has have been, quote, better than expected. Those are Lamonis's words out of McNamee. And he wants to see him move around in a game-like situation, which I assume won't come until some some pregame stuff before that 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 Friday afternoon game against Southern. Uh, but I, I think, and Lamonis more or less said this, you're going to see McNamee during the the Starkville regional, whether it's a, a full on start in right field, whether it's a DH, whether he starts at DH and kind of works his way into right field, all of that is to be determined based on how McNamee moves around a little bit in game like situations or straight up game situations. But that's that's the news out of Coach Lamonis in Mississippi State. You're gonna see Elijah McNamee in, in the Starkville regional. The role remains to be determined. That was about all in terms of value for Mississippi State today. So let's turn the page to Friday afternoon's opponent, the Southern Jaguars, the SWAC champions. Coach Carrick Jackson had the unenviable task of replacing Roger Cater, he of 33 years at the helm at Southern, 14 NCAA tournament appearances. But he doesn't fear for how his Jaguars will fare in this environment. One, because Southern has done it here before with wins over LSU, Northwestern State, and Nichols State. This season, also Southern played here last season in a midweek game. But also because this is just a stepping stone to where he wants Southern to be. Well, you know, I think at the end of the day, when you're, when you're playing teams of that caliber, you're playing a Power Five, uh, specifically somebody out of the SEC, there's a certain level of baseball that's played and expected at that level. And so being able to get our guys in that environment the first time through wasn't to our advantage. We make an error in the first inning, we put up an eight spot, we're not chasing any runs. 
at LSU against LSU. Um, then they come to our place and we get good pitching, we play good defense, we have quality at bats. And so I think it, what it proves to our guys is that the same message I've been telling them all year, go out and play the game clean. I don't need you to be a superhero. I don't need you to do anything spectacular. I need you to do the things that are necessary to put us in a position to be successful. And then at the end of the day, we'll look back after the 27th out is made and either we got the win or we didn't get the win. But don't put ourselves in a position where we look back and have regrets on how we played the game. And so I think if we can approach it the same way during this regional, I think we'll put ourselves in a really good situation. That's one of the main reasons why this job was attractive to me is because of what it was. Uh, and so for me, being able to get back to what it was and then taking it to another level is the ultimate goal. And so being in this environment uh, is going to be the jumpstart to that because now the things that I said on day one when I was hired have come to fruition. Uh, we want to be a team. We want to be the first HBCU to go to Omaha. We want to be that first HBCU to get a win in a regional, win a regional. Uh, so now we're try starting to take those steps, uh, and there's no reason for us to look back moving forward. I told our guys, hey, I've been on the other side of that, right? Uh, 2015, my last year at Missouri, we won six out of 10 weekends. We won 15 games in the SEC. We were the first team in the SEC to win 15 games and not make a region. But we got swept by UW Milwaukee. We split with Pine Bluff. We split with Air Force, and we lost to Arkansas Little Rock. Those six games cost us. And so delivering that message to our team is you can play spoiler because nobody's expecting you to do more than that. So now we're coming into this regional. We have good offensive numbers. People are starting to take notice of what we're doing. But at the end of the day, we're still the underdog. So they're going to carry that with them always and hopefully put us in a position to go out and do something that's not been done before. Southern does have some reason for optimism here. I wrote about the high batting averages and the stolen base numbers on the website earlier this week, but Southern outfielder Hampton Hudson sees that speed helping the Jaguars in the field too. Well, uh, like you said, we've got athletes all over the field, whether that's in the outfield or the infield, even behind the plate. Uh, even some on the mound too. There's there's some real good athletes on the mound we have. And uh, I mean, it just allows us to play real loose and just be able to make plays that some people wouldn't expect us to be able to make and put ourselves in a position to make those plays, uh, knowing that the guy next to me can cover the, the same amount of ground as I can, you know? And uh, so I think I think that allows us to just be loose and free in what we do, whether that's in the field or even at the plate the late game in Starkville is between Miami and Central Michigan, two teams that have taken different paths to get here. Central Michigan ran through the MAC with an 18-game winning streak to get here. We'll get to them momentarily. But Miami had to find itself on, on its way to getting here. The Canes started ACC play 3-6, and six, plus a series loss to Florida and a midweek loss to Columbia in March, but they since found themselves to win 11 of their final 14 regular season games. This is Miami coach Gino DeMare. We were playing without all our bullets. Our top two starters were out during some of those games, and our starting shortstop was our third, third hole hitter and arguably our most talented player. Weren't playing during some of those games, but they're back, which is great. We have them back now, but it's amazing. We've played very well, which tells you a lot about this team. Um, we played very well, and guys, that means other guys have had to, had to step up. Some guys have had to play different positions or out of position, and some pitchers obviously have had to step up. We, we moved our number four, who was a freshman, pitching against, well, in our conference, the best pitcher for Louisville. He threw against 10, matched up with him in the first game of the series, and um, 
and he threw against Virginia Tech's lefty. He was one of the better lefties we faced all year. So we, I mean, we had to make some adjustments there, and our number three got pushed up to as the number two, and we took somebody out of Penn to be our number three. So we have had made adjustments, but um, we still got some kinks to work out, but, but we are playing better. So you're right, we have won a lot more games here and kind of got us into this position to be in that talk of possibly even hosting, which we were. So, yeah. In all of that, Miami was a was part of a pretty intriguing top 16 conversation about who would end up hosting regionals. Obviously, the Hurricanes didn't get what they wanted in the end, but I found Coach DeMare's exceedingly blunt approach to this pretty interesting. Yeah, we talked to him, you know, high behind it. You know, we, you know, I, I'm very honest with our players. I told them easily, I think if we won the North Carolina game in the ACC tournament, probably a good chance we're going to host. And after the game, we lost. I told them, you know what, we just left it up to the committee probably right now. We're on that bubble. That's not a place where I want our program to be. We've made great strides from the last few years. There's no doubt. I don't want to deny that, take anything away from it. But that's not where I want as a coach forever long I'm here. Uh, I want our program to be up. I want it to be like the old days where I know, you know we know we're going to be hosting. We know we're, uh, you know, we play the kind of season that we need to play, that we're somebody's going to have to beat us at our park. Having said that, I've told the players all along, and this is arguably one of the toughest places to play. I haven't been here yet, but I've been told and heard, and I can only imagine. But we have one on the road. Uh, as a former player, we've won on the road, I know, in Gainesville. As a former coach, we've won on the road in Mississippi uh, back in 06 with four freshmen in our lineup, which is amazing because we had four freshmen in our lineup this year. Um, so, you know, it just makes it harder, there's no doubt, but certainly it's going to be one heck of an experience under that, and our guys are looking forward to it. Just because this team didn't make the top 16 doesn't mean it comes to Starkville without some bullets in the chamber. I wrote about the danger in their lineup in that aforementioned statistical breakdown on the website. Go find that on the Hudson Report blog on mattwyattmedia.com. But here's Coach DeMare with more on that lineup. We always seem to pop out Terrell because he hits 22 home runs and he's hitting seventh in our lineup, which maybe kind of defines our lineup, I guess. You know, um, but you know, it's interesting, those freshmen, our one, two, four, and six hitters are freshmen. Uh, you know, so, and the rest of them basically are sophomores. The only junior, if we ever have Crosby in the lineup, he's our only junior. This Mike's a redshirt sophomore, really didn't play his first two years. He's been playing with some bad luck with injuries, but, um, so it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, we got, we have some balance. We've got some guys that can run a little bit. We've got some guys that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Um, yeah, we do have some guys that put in play. We strike out a little bit too, but that's part of it. we got guys that hit for power. But um, it, it's certainly a big difference from the last couple of years. That, if anybody's asking what was it that kept us out of the NCAA tournament the last couple of years, scoring runs, that sticks out very, very well in my mind. And our hitting coach this year has done an unbelievable job of turning it around. And we've changed a lot of things we've done. And I was a hitting coach, by the way, for many years here. Um, but we had, to, we had to make some adjustments and I had to swallow my pride and get a little humility and uh, you know, open it up to him. And, you know, first year as head coach, first year as our recruiting guy. Which, by the way, he was our volunteer, which we bumped up, which was great. But... Um, uh, so, yeah, you know, the, the offense has been the biggest, probably the biggest surprise of our team. Even I didn't see this coming because uh, our strength really went into the season was our pitching. And uh, 
pitches so very good. I think we finished second in the ACC, but the offense has certainly been something that I think has surprised a lot of people and, and maybe even me a little bit. And now we get to Central Michigan, the champions of the MAC. One more reference for that story I wrote earlier in the week. I found their bullpen usage interesting, where the Chips don't really have that group of four or so guys that have gotten 22, 23 appearances out of that pen. They've got a huge group of arms between 14 and 17 appearances. A lot of that by committee stuff here. Here's what Central Michigan coach Jordan Bischel had to say on that. Yeah, you know, we knew coming in, we had some depth out there. We had some guys that maybe weren't real accomplished, but we knew we had some ability. And we don't have a lot of arms that are going to overwhelm you, overpower you. Strike our numbers are not off the charts high. We pitch the contact, we defend a little bit, and there's some matchups involved. So depending on who we're playing, where we're playing, and all that kind of stuff, we've got a lot of guys out of that that can get some outs. And, and I think it makes us a little tougher to prepare for when you have three, four, five, six options that you trust out there. And I think that's an advantage to us. We, we really use those midweek games at home to kind of hold staff and get a lot of guys involved. And I think that'll work to our advantage as we get deeper into this thing. But, but it's nice to have a lot of guys to trust out there. If nothing else, folks, the Chippewas are going to have fun in this environment. We don't quite have the same stadium in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. We've got a really nice setup. Uh, but when we won our, our conference championship in the regular season, the pack place was packed with five or 600 people, which was an awesome environment. But I've been told they should draw maybe a few more than that out here. But I think the guys are soaking, up, soaking it up and enjoying it. And, and, and it'll create some great experiences for our guys. And I think it's nice we've been here for a day now. We're going to move from soaking up atmosphere to trying to enjoy it and win some ball games and find that balance. Yeah, we've certainly got the cheerleaders in the dugout to do it, I, I can promise you that. Uh, we're a pretty high energy group that enjoys it, and, and from what I can gather, there's probably some, some Mississippi State fans that like to have fun. So, uh, certainly, uh, we're not going to argue if they want to pull for us a little bit. My expectation would be if we end up facing Mississippi State, they'll probably just switch sides and cheer for us. <laughs> All right, folks, I hope you're as caught up with the Starkville Regional as you possibly can be to, to run over what we know of the schedule right now. And of course, all of this is, is weather dependent. Y'all know, y'all know baseball well enough to, to know better than to assume things are going to happen as the way they're scheduled in this sport. Mississippi state will play Southern Friday at noon. Um, Central Michigan will play Miami at seven o'clock on Friday. The losers will play each other at noon on Saturday. The winners will play each other at six o'clock on Saturday. The uh, final elimination game, will be on Sunday at 2 o'clock before there are only two teams left in the regional, and they'll go to battle uh, 8 o'clock on Sunday night, then if necessary, 6 o'clock on Monday night. Those final two games, an opportunity to punch a ticket to the Super Regional for Mississippi State, it would be an opportunity to punch a ticket to the Starkville Super Regional. We're going to have all kinds of content for you over the weekend so make sure you follow me on twitter at brett underscore hudson make sure you like the facebook page facebook.com slash radio wyatt i'm going to go live from that facebook page after every mississippi state game this postseason as as long as it may last that's where that's where i'm going to be so that's your opportunity to, to get some questions in uh get your comments in and just kind of discuss the game uh shortly after it, it happens and again following me on twitter at brett underscore hudson is the best way to know when that thing goes live, uh, in addition to liking the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Radio I'm sure you can set notifications to when the, the page goes live. That's what I would I would suggest. And, of course, subscribe to Dogpile. We're going to be daily with podcasts on the weekends while Mississippi State is in the regional and then in theory in the super regional. 
if they get there. And once we get to Omaha, I'm sure we'll be daily there too. Just gotta figure out exactly what the what the schedule is there. But cross that bridge when we come to it. Hope y'all are as learned up as possible for this this Starkville regional. And, and stay tuned. We'll we'll cover it all the way through. Thanks for listening, and we'll we'll be back pretty soon.